And welcome to another segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Van Der Vliet, with his trusted canine co-host, Woody. Woof. That was Woody's woof, not mine. And in that one woof, you know what Woody is asking? He's got a favor. Whatever platform you're listening to this show on, please like, share, follow, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So if you're on iTunes, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us move us up in the algorithms, and we're doing well, but we need your help, we, Woody and I, to move this up even further and get more of this information out because we can't let Biden become president. And I'm sorry to have such a long rant about it, but I decided that on this solemn day, we need to buckle down, dig in, and really expose Biden for who he is and what he is and why he should never be president of the United States of America for all of our sake. And 9-11 is the perfect day to show you what kind of politician this man is. And he is the sleaziest of sleazy politician to co-op 9-11 as if he was some kind of oracle that warned President Bush of what was going to happen. And, and, and to basically say the day before, I warned him and it happened. I, I just sleazy. And to sit here and tell in, in an op-ed, claim that in an op-ed he told President Trump what to do in the virus, that it was going to get bad. And now he's some kind of oracle on that. This is typical Biden, but this is also typical leftist. And then we see the cognitive decline of this man. And think about it. I believe, like I said, he would have won in 2016 against Donald Trump. This is what we'd be seeing now if he decided to run for reelection, which I don't believe he would. I believe what would have happened if he won in 2016. And again, I think he would have. They should have put him up. Instead, they put the second worst candidate in the history of politics up because Biden's now the worst candidate. Uh, she was the worst candidate back then, by the way. He would have won. He would have had these health issues. He would decide not to run for reelection, and we'd be debating somebody else. But history has a funny way of working itself out. Anyway, let's get off of uh, Biden and why he should never set foot in the White House as president of the United States. Bob Woodward's book just came out called Rage. I'm sorry, it didn't come out. It's coming out on Monday, and it's already fizzled. So this from PJ Media uh, by Victoria Taft, which is a great name, by the way. Uh, she released this yesterday. The headline, Bob Woodward's own reaction shows his big Trump virus scoop is total nonsense and it gets worse. So here's the scoop, right? Is President Trump said to Bob Woodward, I wanted to play to I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. And the left went crazy, right? They're trying to say that Trump lied, uh, that he was, you know, playing it down, not letting us go. When Biden, as I mentioned before, was trying to say he's fear mongering Why, back then, back in February, in March. So here's the question. If this so-called lack of information costs American lives, then why did Bob Woodward withhold this life-saving information till just mere weeks before the election? I asked that same question. I said the same thing. I, you know what the left has said that I said now? I pointed out, why didn't he say if it was so bad? Oh, now you want to blame it on Woodward? No, I don't want to blame it on Woodward because I'm not blaming it on Trump. But that's the left. So Woodward, here's what Woodward said. When asked about this, here is his confusing and meandering non-denial denial. That's from the article. 
or the AP asked, <clears throat> if I had done the story at the time about what he knew in February, that's not telling us anything we didn't know, Woodward said. At that point, he said, the issue was no longer one of public health, but of politics. His priority became getting the story out before the election in November. That was the demarcation line for me, he said. Had I decided that my book was coming out on Christmas, the end of this year, that would have been unthinkable. Ask why he didn't share Trump's February remarks for a fellow Post reporter to pursue. Woodward said he had developed some pretty important sources on his own. Could I have brought others in? Could they have done things I couldn't do? He asked. I was on the trail and I was still on the trail when it, the virus, exploded. What? So really, it wasn't that important. It wasn't important enough to save lives. And he's not a reporter, by the way. I mean, a lot of people are saying, uh, you know, trying to paint him as some kind of reporter. No, he's selling books. This is all intended to sell a book. It was all released now to sell a book. In fact, Simon & Schuster's, the pre-sales are showing that this book may be the best-selling anti-Trump book yet. This was all done for money. Don't let people fool you. What Woodward did was create sensationalism to sell a book. The left was calling Trump racist and xenophobic early on for his China travel ban restriction. They were saying he was fear-mongering. And now they're saying he wasn't telling people. Trump said, I didn't want, to make, I didn't want people to panic. Total non-story, totally fall apart, totally fell apart, and one fell swoop like that. But he'll make millions on the book because the left loves this kind of red meat. But it's gone. Now, now what's the left going to do? What are they going to do next? What's going to be the next thing they're going to try to do after Trump? Uh, <laughs> we kind of already know. And that's already falling apart. Uh, this is from Red State uh, by Nick Armana. Whoops. Schiff's new whistleblower has some serious issues, according to Schiff himself. If you haven't heard this story, I talked about it on the other yesterday's podcast, is that Adam Schiff has brought a whistleblower complaint up about Russia, 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 Russia. So the Woodward thing is going to go, foof. Now they're going to try to bring Russia back, which they're easing, trying to bring it back in, but they got problems. They got problems with the whistleblower has some serious issues from the piece. As my colleague Streif laid out on Wednesday, Rep. Adam Schiff was trying to pull another whistleblower out of the hat and touting more impeachment nonsense. At this point, they're running out of time, so they're trying to throw anything they can against the wall in an effort to influence the election. They're really lousy at it, too. That's so true. Like with the Atlantic piece, already debunked within a couple of days, and the Bob Woodward story, they got debunked even faster than that. So Schiff claimed that the whistleblower, Brian Murphy, had filed a complaint alleging DHS suppress intel reports on Russia election interference. From the article, yawn, Russia, Russia, Russia. Also from the article, except it turns out that there's a small problem with Murphy. According to Schiff's own assessment of him in August, when Murphy was reassigned for keeping record reports on protests, protesters and press in the Portland BLM slash Antifa actions, Schiff implied that Murphy had lied to the committee and that they would be investigating him. <laughs> so his whistleblower that he's putting out there, he's already called the guy a liar. <laughs> 
As the article says, now, what a surprise. Suddenly he has information that helps Schiff, and now we're expected to believe the guy that Schiff himself said was said gave misleading information. It just goes on and on and on. So Russia, Russia, Russia is back. I mean, what are they going to bring next back? The P tapes or the P story? The P dossier? Are they going to try to bring back the dossier? Yeah, they're going to watch. They'll do that as well. In fact, I got a little bit of information on that investigation. That's the Russian investigation, right? Uh, this also from Red State. Uh, cover up. Robert Mueller's corrupt team accidentally wiped dozens of phones before records were logged. So his investigation... They got they what they're talking about their phones, by the way, the investigators phones, Mueller and his team's phones. They accidentally, accidentally wiped dozens of phones before they recorded what was on those phones, before they were logged. Because a court by law, all of those phones, anything that happens because it's government phones by law, they have to record everything on those phones. And conveniently. Dozens of them were wiped clean before the records were logged, and now we're gone. Isn't that curious? 27 phones where the records are that cannot be checked now. And th these are the Democrats got, people. This is, this is what is going on in our country right now. And it's just maddening. So the Mueller team came up with nothing. And the left's trying to bring back the Russian probe again. Russia, Russia, Russia. And now we're learning that maybe there was some shenanigans going on with the investigators. What was on those phones? I bet you they aren't things that are bad for the president and aren't good for the investigators. Can you say Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, maybe those kind of texts going back and forth? And I'm not talking about the sex piece. I'm talking about, you know, the plotting and the deception to take out this president. The left needs to be defeated, and we need to get the House in the GOP's hands. And I have never been a big advocate of one party having all control of uh, the levers of power in government. Uh, I mean, uh, the judicial, absolutely. I would always want the right to be leading in the judicial, and we've got that with the Supreme Court, which is another reason why Biden should never be become president because he'll put a leftist judge up in the Supreme Court because there will be at least one in the next four years. Uh, and then you've got the presidency and you've got the houses of Congress, those three branches of government. And, uh, you know, our, our, our government was put in place to have checks and balances. And it's always been thought in the houses of Congress, if one was from one party, one was from another party, regardless of which one, it would balance it. Because the Congress, you know, they hold the purse strings, but the Senate holds the decision. They vote on what the Congress does, right? So you know, impeachment is a perfect example. The House of Congress impeached Donald Trump. Well, the Senate didn't convict, so the impeachment goes away. If, if the, the Republicans don't win the House of Congress, Democrats are going to impeach president. And they're going to impeach him on the Russia thing. And they're going to go after him and go after him and go after him. It's another reason why Joe Biden should never enter the White House. All right. I got back into the Biden thing. Sorry about that. All right. A couple other. Let's go do some just random stories, some quick takes here real quick. Uh, this one, another one from Red State from Scott Hounsel, um, September 10th, 2020. The CDC accidentally admits cloth masks are not effective. That's right. So 
this is tying into the wildflower wildfires that are going on in California. And basically what this article goes into is the science of the mask. The CDC has come out and said that masks are not effective in preventing the smoke particles from coming into you. As a result of this disastrous fire season in California, this is from the article, the air quality here is less than stellar. Just today at my own home in Southern California, everything outside appears brownish, orangish, red as a result of the sun being filtered through the disgusting smoke. As a result of this horrible air quality, the CDC posted an announcement on their Facebook page regarding the use of cloth masks in the areas most affected. And here's what the CDC says. Cloth masks that are used to slow the spread of COVID-19 offer little protection against wildfire smoke. They do not catch small particles found in wildfire smoke that can harm your health. Limit your time outside when it's smoky. Learn how you can protect yourself from wildfire smoke. This is something the CDC should be doing, by the way. If, if they do not protect you from wildfire smoke, the CDC absolutely should be giving you that information so you can decide. You can make an educated decision. And why did they give this information? Because with COVID-19, everybody's wearing masks. So people may just assume that the masks will protect them from the smoke, but not so fast. The article goes on, and I'm not going to get into the wonkiness of the article. The article goes on and does some Google searches that basically the microns that are um, the droplets of COVID-19, the size of the microns that can get through the mask or not get through the mask, are pretty much the same as the smoke microns. So what they're saying here is the CDC just admitted these cloth masks won't protect you from the microns of the smoke that get that can get through the mask because they're they're so small but they're the same size as covid-19 microns so the masks are kind of ineffectual for coronavirus i know i know a lot of people are going to you know say a bunch of stuff but remember cloth masks let's let's make sure that we're specific here the semantics of this cloth masks. So many people right now are wearing cloth masks. So it looks like those cheap little uh, paper looking like type masks that nobody wants to wear because they don't, don't look, look good as the cloth ones or maybe the cloth ones where they have the logo of your company on there are better than the ones you're paying. I don't know how much these things are. Five bucks. I don't know. So go with the cheapy ones, people. Don't The cloth ones, they're not going to help you. Not that the masks are effective anyway, but that's my opinion. Don't follow my opinion because I could be wrong and I don't want anyone to get harmed. But, you know, this whole nonsense with the mask, and there's my opinion again, I think it's gotten out of hand. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on the stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choice to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters. So make sure you are ready and you vote and you vote informed. So visit go to ballot.org, enter your address make sure that you vote and vote informed. All right, moving on to the next random title. Uh, I, I read a lot of Red State today. Uh, another one from Red State from Brad Slager. Here's the headline. Beyond the ratings, a new poll shows professional sports are in real trouble with Americans. So Americans across the board are tired of the politicization of, 
sports. Uh, is, it is becoming a concern, it's from the article, as the NBA alone has had sharply lower ratings, including a 20% drop from the start of their playoff. And it goes on to talk about how the NFL also has a large drop. And it and it's pretty much across all categories. So among all adults, favorability plunge 30%. And of a particular alarm should be that wage earners in the 35 to 45 age group dropped 44%. Non-white Americans fell a sharp 35%. Even the most supportive sector, Democrats, fell a lower 5%. But among those declining to be independents, there was a 30 or claiming to be independents, there was a 36% drop in approval of all the sports. And what they're doing with this BLM stuff, this uh, protest stuff, it's hurting them in the ratings. And this is something I've never understood about um, entertainers is if you're in entertainment, your job is to entertain. Your, your job's not to give me political commentary. I, I'm, I want to be entertained. You're my court jester. I'm paying you to be my court jester. It's not like in the medieval times where you're a court jester, you entertain the king or you die. No, you entertain me, I give you some money for it. That's how it works. If I'm no longer entertained, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to give you money. Now I know some are saying, E, you're not giving them money. You're just watching on TV and turn it off. No, I am giving them money because my, my viewership is reported to the advertisers. And if the advertisers see more of us are not viewing, the advertisers are going to give them less money or pull advertising altogether, and it takes away money from professional sports and other entertainment-type programs. So yes, you not tuning in does hurt them economically, and the owners are the ones that are in panic right now, but those same owners are the ones that embraced all of this uh, culture, social culture nonsense. So, I never understood actors and professional sports, uh, even commentators. You know, I'm a political podcast, so I talk politics. My side is opinion. I'm I'm clearly on the right. So the audience that I want attract is you. I'm not looking to have this mass audience of all sides. I'd love left to to listen to this and email me where I'm wrong, politics and brown liquor at gmail.com or the PBL podcast at gmail.com, hint, hint. But I never understood entertainers that open their mouth and show me that they're way different than I am. And now all of a sudden when I look at them, I think, oh, yeah, I can't. Like Alec Baldwin, great actor. Man, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, fantastic. He was even fun in Beetlejuice. You know, the Beetlejuice who went on to be mayor of Chicago. And I can't look at Alec Baldwin anymore. When I see Alec Baldwin, all I see is this frothing thing of mouth, raging lunatic leftist. Totally lost me. And there's so many other actors like that. And I love movies. And it makes it so hard to separate the reality from the fiction of entertainment that I want. I don't want to know your political affiliations, athletes, movie stars, television people. I don't want to know it. What I want is I want you to entertain me. I'm paying you for that. And if you don't entertain me, I'm tuning you out and you are going to lose money. I never understood it. Right now there's a meme going around, defund the media. And I've had leftists go, you can't defund the media. That's ridiculous. No, you can. You can absolutely defund the media. Stop watching their programs. Stop reading their rags. You know, um, Michelle Obama has a podcast right now. Every, if you're curious and you want to listen to it, you're giving her money. You're paying her. I won't listen. 
no matter how curious I am, if I can find a clip somewhere else to hear how bad it is, and I'm sure it is, I'll do it. But I'm not going to give her any money. I'm, in effect, defunding them. So, yes, you can absolutely defund the media and defund entertainment complexes and such. But I never understood it. You know, shut up and act. Shut up and sing. Shut up and play ball. That's what they should be doing. And professional sports right now, I mean, man, have they gone all in on it. And I know why. They've gone all in because the owners, who are primarily white, fear that their players, who are primarily black, are going to, you know, uh, somehow revolt on them. And they're going to be pissed off. They're getting paid millions of dollars for this. And they're going to get pissed off and they're not going to have a good team. Morale is going to drop. They're going to lose games. So it's all for the almighty dollar. Well, sucks to be them because they're going to be losing more money than they were before because of uh, the people, half the country don't want to, they don't want to have this. All these athletes, by the way, have contracts. All the owners would have to do is just hold them to their contracts, but they'd rather placate to the national media and the social justice warriors and whatnot that's going on right now, rather than actually taking a stand and just playing the game. All right, next quick take. This is uh, another one from PJ Media, Victoria Taft again. Uh, This came out yesterday, September 10th, 2029. Even, here's the headline, even crazy leftist Portland thinks its riot-friendly mayor is a dud. So the mayor, Ted Wheeler, who is just, I used to think, and up until recently, by the way, Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, was the worst mayor in the country. This guy right now, takes the cake. He is absolutely the absolute worst mayor in the United States of America. So they did a poll and they did a poll on behalf of a group calling for yet another Portland Police Bureau Oversight Board, uh, which would be the city's third, found that only 26% of those questioned have a favorable view of the mayor. So here's the, the interesting thing about this poll. These are leftists, polling leftists for leftists. Okay. There's no right in here. There's no, there's no conservatism in here. There's no geo. There's nothing. This is a leftist group polling a leftist town, getting what the leftists think. So there's no bipartisan here. It's completely partisan to the left. And here are the results. The Black Lives Matters movement, they get a 76% favorable, favorable, favorable rating. Think about that. The people of Portland, the in that area, have a seventy-six percent favorable view of BLM movement, and they're burning down their city. Seventy-six percent. These people are nuts. Commissioner Joanne Hardesty. If you never seen anything about her, she's the radical city councilwoman that uh, wants the mayor to give her control of the police. They have a 46% favorability rating for her, only a 29% unfavorable rating for her. 46% of the people in that town that's on fire that want to defund the police say, we, yeah, let's, we, we give her a favorable rating. Uh, the Portland Police Bureau get 45% favorable, 50% unfavorable. So they have a higher unfavorable rate than favorable, not surprising. Uh, the Portland Police Association only has a 31% favorable rating, 48% unfavorable. The Portland Police Union, 31% percent 
unfavorable, 56 unfavorable. So these leftists, they don't like the police. It's obvious. But they love Black Lives Matters and this crazy commissioner, Joanne Hardesty, and Mayor Ted Williams, 26% favorable rating. <laughs> oh my God, the left is crazy. That is just insane. But at least they're seeing this guy. They're not, he's not good enough for them. So he's so bad. Even though he's way far to the left, he's so bad that even the left doesn't like him. Hey, and, uh, and, and this, this here's part of the problem right here. This is another article from Red State from Mike Miller. Uh, professor defends murder of Portland Trump supporter. I see nothing wrong with it from a moral perspective. This is a professor who defends the murder of a Trump supporter. You know why? This is why he's a Rhode Island's college professor. And this is, you know, I believe what many leftists across the country believe that because, and that's what the guy who killed this guy uh, said, because this man is a fascist, he doesn't have a problem with it. Here's what he said. Michael Rinald, this is the guy who killed him, who is the guy who killed the fascist in Portland last week. He admitted it and said he was scared the cops would kill him. Well, now the cops have killed him. I am extremely anti-conspiracy theory. This is this professor, this lunatic professor talking. But it's not a conspiracy theory at this point in time to wonder if the cops simply murdered him. The police is shot through the fascist. The police is shot through with fascists from stem to stem that's what it, that's from them i didn't say that uh they were openly working with the fascists in portland as they were in kenosha which led to dead protesters you hear that so because this guy they claim who was killed was a fascist then it's okay he's a fascist it's okay. He killed a fascist. This is what he said. There's a quote from this professor. He killed a fascist. I see nothing wrong with it, at least from a moral perspective. Tactically, that's a different story. But you could say that same thing about John Brown. John Brown was an abolitionist. I'll get it out. Who uh, used violence as a means of fighting slavery in the 1800s. This is what the left is doing and who they are. So, because they claim this guy is a fascist, it's okay to kill him. Remember, I did the podcast on this not too long ago, but if 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 you are, are anti-fascist and you're part of Antifa, you're a communist because the communists hated the fascists and the fascists hated the communists. It's not that you're anti-fascist. You're anti-fascist but you're against their ideology. You're a communist and you want the fascists dead because they prevent you ultimately from your communist ideals and utopian goals. Fascists got in the way because they didn't go take, they didn't take communists far enough. So it's okay to kill a fascist because that's how communists thinks. So if you aren't for them, you're a fascist and you must die. And this is why communism has killed more people in the history of mankind than any other political ideology, period. End of story. Communism kills because they justify it because they call you a fascist. They justify it by saying you're a fascist and you don't go take it far enough. You don't believe what we believe, therefore you must die. Isn't that easy? That's an easy ideology to have. No, no, don't, don't have a conversation. There's no, there's no convincing my programs are better. It's that you don't believe in me, what I believe in, 
and therefore you should die. And because you're a fascist, I don't have a problem with that. That's how they justify it, ladies and gentlemen. That's how they justify it. This is a college professor who abs- who said this, who said he killed a fascist. I see nothing wrong with it, at least from a moral perspective. He wasn't a fascist. He was a Trump supporter. And he was there protesting what was happening to, I don't know if he was from the city, I believe he was from the area, but his country. And he was killed by being, because they said he was a fascist. And he was, by the way, stories are coming out that the guy who killed him stalked him. But he wasn't, you know, the guy who killed him said he was trying to protect his black friend. Well, that story is untrue. He actually ambushed the guy and shot him. And he justifies it by saying he was a fascist. All right, last last quick take here from Town Hall uh, from Matt Vespa. Again, this posted uh, today, September 11th. Headline is, no joke, Al Sharpton actually didn't say something totally idiotic about law enforcement. <laughs> All right, here's what Al Sharpton said. Uh, Sharpton on MSNBC. Only latte liberals in the Hamptons want to defund the police. Six were shot in Brooklyn on Labor Day. Uh, so Al Sharpton actually is saying that, no, this defund the stuff is kind of crazy. And only the latte liberals think, who live in the Hamptons think it's a good idea. He's absolutely right. I mean, because, you know, you've got story after story where people went into these these uh, black neighborhoods. We'll call them what they are. Uh, what they say, I guess, is the hood. And the people in that neighborhood said, no, 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 we don't want to defund the police. Al Sharpton is spot on with this. Can't believe I'm saying that as well, that only latte liberals in the Hampton want to defund the police. And it goes to show you, it, it's the same thing about these, these um, milk toast white kids that are all part of Antifa with the BLM movement and the white kids from the suburbs that raise their fist up in solidarity with the BLM movement. They are the stereotypical latte leftists. Thanks for listening to this episode of the PBL Podcast. Have a wonderful, wonderful day today. And do remember those people's lives who were lost in that tragic event of 9-11. And uh, let's take a moment and give them some remembrance. Thanks again for listening.